Father, we just <clears throat> thank you, Father, for this morning. Thank you, Lord, that you are a good God, that you are a God who always is faithful, that, Lord, that you are a God who, Father, never ceases to talk to your people. In your mercy, you haven't, you haven't stopped speaking to us all these days. We pray, Father, that, Lord, that we will continue to experience your mercy this morning, that we will continue to hear your voice, even as you speak to us, O Lord, that our ears will be receptive. Grant us grace, O Lord, that we will be able to understand your word this morning, that none of us will get offended, will, Father, that you will take care of offense in our hearts, take away every pride, every vestige of pride in us, Father, that we will humble ourselves and, Lord, we will continue to walk with you. Even in the ministry of the word, O oh Lord, that we will not get complacent, that we will not become too familiar with the word, but, Lord, that we will truly tremble at your word. For to this person you look for, a man who is of a humble and a contrite spirit and a one who trembles at your word. Grant us grace this morning that you would, Lord, you would find in us people who fear you, who tremble you. We thank you, Father. We praise you. We worship you. We give you glory. For in Jesus' name, Amen. We're looking at the story of redemption. Redemption of uh, Israel from Egypt. Of God's people from Egypt and uh, <clears throat> yeah, of God's people from Egypt, and that we that's a theme of the entire Bible in some sense to bring us out so that we can be brought in. To separate us from Egypt and be separated unto him. And especially when, even as we are uh, doing a kind of a series, if you will, if you will, I mean, um, of the book of uh, Exodus, uh, we've been looking at all the plagues that um, are striking Egypt. But you will see, amidst all of it, there was there's one man who is unchanged, and that's Pharaoh. Is hardening and hardening and hardening his heart. He will not relent. Um, there is some semblance of, uh, hmm, what is it, remorse he feels when the hand of God becomes heavy upon him, but he continues to harden his heart and he doesn't relent. You'll see if you turn with me to uh, Exodus chapter 9, and we'll learn a few lessons here uh, from this phrase. And the hail struck throughout the whole land of Egypt, verse 25 onwards. All that was in the field, both man and beast, and the hail struck every herb of the field and broke every tree of the field. Only in the land of Goshen, where the children of Israel were, there was no hail. Then Pharaoh sent and called for Moses and Aaron and said to them, I have sinned this time. The Lord is righteous and my people are wicked. <laughs> 
entreat the Lord or make supplication for the Lord to the Lord that there may be no more mighty thundering and hail for it is enough. I will let you go and you shall stay no longer. Of course, this is not repentance. This is only regret. Um, he's seeing the conditions and the consequences of his actions, but he's still bent upon his way. So Moses said to him, as soon as I have gone out of the city, I will spread out my hands to the Lord and thunder will cease and there will be no more hail that you may know that the Lord, that the earth is the Lord's. But as for you and your servants, I know that you will not fear the Lord God. You see that? Understand that. And in fact, if you'll see this in this particular uh, chapter, there were a few Egyptians who feared the word of God and they take the cattle into their homes and protect them from the hail. But but Pharaoh is bent upon his ways. Now the flax and barley were struck for the barley was in the head and the flax was in the bud. Um, let's read from uh, verse 33 now, 33 onwards. So Moses went out of the city from Pharaoh and spread out his hands to the Lord. Then the thunder and the hail ceased and the rain was not poured on the earth. And when Pharaoh saw that the rain, the hail and the thunder had ceased, he sinned yet more and he hardened his heart. He and his servants. So the heart of Pharaoh was hard. And he would not let the children of Israel go. Okay. Again, um, Another uh, uh, locusts will come. There's so many other plagues will come. And finally, Pharaoh again, he says something in, in Exodus chapter 10 verse 16. Then Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron in haste and said, <laughs> I have sinned against the Lord, your God, and against you. Now therefore, please forgive my sin only this once and entreat the Lord your God that he may take away from me this death only. And then, so he went out from Pharaoh and entreated the Lord and the Lord turned a very strong west wind. This is essentially the locust, the plague of the locusts before the deadly plague of the darkness, okay, uh, which took the locusts away and blew them in the Red Sea. There remained not one locust in all the territory of Egypt, but the Lord, is amazing, right? He hardened there. Now it says, but the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart he did not let the children of Israel go. Then the Lord said, stretch out your hand that there may be thick darkness, which may even be felt. We know this very well. Pharaoh said, I have sin. Balaam said, I have sin. Achim said, I have sin. Saul said, I have Sin. Prodigal son said, I have sinned. Judah said, I have sinned. Micah said, I have sinned. <coughs> if you do not know, Micah chapter 7, you don't have to turn there. It's there. It's called gutsy guilt. Okay, we'll maybe look at it tomorrow. David said, I have sinned. The only person to whom God says, I have also taken your sin away is, of course, you know, it's David, and we are not looking at the prodigal son, but I have taken your sin away. Pharaoh takes, I have says, I have sinned. So God knows who's serious about the words. So for example, yesterday we looked at it, right? It says, these people honor me with their lips. They draw near me with their lips and honor me with their mouth, but their 
heart is <clears throat> far away. Similarly, Pharaoh's heart is absolutely hard. He's, he's just um, speaking something which is, which he's not serious about. I have sinned. So we have to be very careful who's, which category we've fallen. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. For sure. Okay. But when we confess our sins, which category do we fall into? Pharaoh? Balaam? Bent upon his ways? <clears throat> he loved the wages of unrighteousness? But he liked the death of the righteous. It's not going to happen. <clears throat> Saul, he said, I have sinned, but he was more worried about what the people would think about him than what God would think about him. Achan, he also said, I have sinned. Man, I find Achan's story one of the saddest stories. This guy was the one guy who survived 40 years in the wilderness. He never took part of any of the sins of the of his father's. 40 years in the wilderness, comes through the Jordan. I don't know if he has come through the Red Sea. I don't know if his, uh, he was, uh, yeah, um, we don't know whether he was less than 20 years old when they crossed the Red Sea. He comes through the Red Sea, comes through the Jordan, walls of Jericho fall down, and then he succumbs to temptation and he is gone. But he also doesn't come out clean, right? But he also says, I have sinned. David is the only one who says, I have sinned. And God says, I have put your sin away. I have taken your sin away. But of all the sins, I believe that which grieved the heart of God the most is Pharaoh? Not really. I think it was David. right? I don't, I don't know. Maybe that's my perception. Because when believers sin, I think... Uh, God's heart is grieved even more because they know who God is. They've experienced the mercies of God. And because if you turn with me to first, uh, sorry, Hebrews chapter 6, there's a very interesting series of, uh, of, uh, of privileges that New Covenant believers enjoy in Hebrews chapter 6 and verses 2 onwards. Yeah, three, three onwards. And this we will do if God permits. And verse four. For it is impossible for those who were, what? Once enlightened. You know, in Telugu it is, Veligimpa Badi. Okapudu Veligimpa Badi. Ante? Veligimpa Badi. Ante? Ante? Ah, enlightened. We got light. Andhakaranunchi. Manol, Veligiloke Chamad. We came out of darkness and into light. So we've been enlightened. Then we have tasted the heavenly gift which is essentially salvation, right? We become partakers of the Holy Spirit. Okay, not only that we were uh, filled with the, uh, with the, so we were born again of the Spirit, but we also were filled with the Holy Spirit. We tasted the good word, right? Taste and see that the Lord is good. Desire the sincere milk of the pure milk of the word of God so that you may grow up in your salvation if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. And we also tasted the powers of the age to come in that we were also given giftings like speaking in tongues for example and then for them if they fall away to renew them again back to repentance I mean that possibly grieves the heart of God the most that people who 
know and have tasted and seen the graciousness of God. And I, I'm just saying, I don't know, maybe, I, I believe so. This is my my conviction. My conviction is God is more grieved over the sins of his people than the sins in the world. It's the sins of the people in the world. Because people in the world are anywhere. They are, they are, they are ignorant. But people in the church, they are people who understand the holiness of God, at least to a certain extent. They've also experienced the love of God. If they have experienced genuine repentance and, and genuine born-again experience, if, you have, if they had a genuine born-again experience, I believe they know what it is uh, to be born again and to have mercy, to have experienced the mercies of God. And for them to sin against God is not an easy thing. And that is the reason why it grieves the heart of God more. Therefore, he tells in Jeremiah, what iniquity has your father seen me? That they have turned after other gods and have become vain. What iniquity? It hurts him. That you've turned off uh, uh, against me and you've turned after other gods and you've become vain. He says, my people have done two evils. What have, they, what, have, what have they done? They have forsaken me, the fountains of living water, and they have hewn for themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. Yeah? No water. You see? So, therefore, God takes, uh, I mean, he is really grieved over the, pay, uh, over the sins and the rebellion in his people. And that's what he says, right? It grieved God that he made man. Hmm. It says in uh, in in Genesis chapter six, and then it says that uh, I I I, re- I regret that I have made Saul as king. Pains him. Okay. He feels betrayed. Okay, so remember the place called Bochim, where in Judges, uh, you don't have to do, go there. Turn to no uh, chapter two when the angel of the Lord comes and says, "I have given you, I have given you, ask to go and fight, but you have not." And they all weep. But I believe God was weeping actually. What did you do to yourself? It's called Bochim. So it grieves God more than than the sin of Pharaoh. I believe the sin of his own people is more grievous. To, I mean, it grieves him more, not grievous. grieves him more than anything else. So this morning I want to look at um, the one person to, who said, I have sinned and God took his sin away. But... But it's very sad. Now, if you actually read the book of Kings, it's impossible. It's impossible for you to not come out depressed after reading it. Because it's one failure after another. I mean, it's like, you know, some some kings show a lot of promise, but last minute they do something. Even Josiah. Josiah was possibly one of the best in the entire uh, lines of kings, but even that guy, he goes and messes up and he dies before his time. I mean, he doesn't sin as the, like the way the other, other, other kings have sinned, but this guy, he just becomes complacent and he becomes a little proud, I believe. And he goes and meddles into things that he is not supposed to meddle in. Meddle. Right? It's very careful. You have to know what our boundaries are, no? Very, very careful. I keep reiterating that to myself too. So we'll look at one man who messed up and he shouldn't have actually. And we know that Psalm, if you turn with me to Psalm 51, um, I'm sure it's not there in your, in your, in the, in the computer. I'm going to read it for you. Uh, the heading is not there. To the chief musician, a Psalm of David, when Nathan the prophet went to him after he had gone into 
Bathsheba. That's 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 the heading. We'll just look at the heading today. <laughs> Sad. The story, or rather, the account is found in Second Samuel chapter eleven. You know, when I read, uh, read my Bible, no, um, start uh, reading Saul's testimony. Saul's testimony is one or two chapters, and after that, downfall starts. Okay, then you have David's. Saul pursuing David and you know David is going on a high and a high and a high and then again for Samuel, second Samuel chapter 1 could chapter 2, chapter 3 he tries to bring the ark and he messes up fine, fine, fine chapter 10 he's on a high and then chapter 11 downfall starts after that it is down, down, done, 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 done. some positives here and there Sam, Solomon we only know about his wisdom and <laughs> boy uh, he also disappoints us no Scripture is given, 2 Timothy chapter 3, before we go to 2 Samuel, and verse 15 to 17. And that from childhood you have known the holy scriptures, okay, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Jesus Christ. All scripture is given by the inspiration of God. It's profitable for doctrine, that which is right, for reproof, that which is not right. For correction, how to get it right. For instruction in righteousness, how to stay right. <laughs> that is how scripture is. What is doctrine? What is right? What is correction? What is reproof? That which is not right. What is correction? How to get it right. And instruction in righteousness, how to stay in the right path after you got corrected. Very important. So if you have all these four ingredients, then what happens? Your man of God will be complete. That is perfect. Thoroughly equipped for Every good work. You have to be complete and you have to be equipped for every good work. And that is the reason why we study scripture. Because all scriptures, all those things which have happened have been given to us as examples. So that through the endurance and the perseverance that scriptures, encouragement and endurance that scriptures teach us, we might have what? Hope. So we learn from from the men of God. And we don't want to repeat those mistakes, we will make new mistakes, okay, don't repeat those mistakes, okay, we will just make some, <laughs> uh, because, because uh, not, not that we will not make mistakes, but let us make some something new, Second Samuel chapter 11, let's go there, <coughs> the anatomy of temptation, hmm? that's not the title of today's message, but okay, we'll, we'll analyze we will, we will, we will, it's like, you know, we are making a movie and, and, and the, and the title of the movie is gonna, is gonna just evolve after we finish the entire chapter. Okay, we'll, 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 we'll find to, we'll find a fitting title for the movie, or for the, for the, for the message. Second Samuel chapter 11 verse 1. It happened in the spring of the year, at the time when kings go out to battle, that David sent Joab and his servants with him, and all Israel, and they destroyed the people of Ammon and besieged Rabbah, but David remained at Jerusalem. There is time for kings to go out to battle. And the word for time, which language is this? Hebrew. I looked at the Septuagint, okay? Septuagint is a Greek translation of the, of the Old Testament. And what do you think for the word, the word time is rendered as? Kairos. Okay, fantastic. Turn to Ecclesiastes chapter 3 please. And read from verse 
1 to 3 and verse 8. To everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven. A time to be born, a time to die. And by the way, every of these words for time is kairos. Okay, A kairos to be born or a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to pluck. That which is planted, a time to kill, a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up. And this is our year of building. Hmm? And then let's read from verse 8 now. A time to love, a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. And what was the time now? If you go back to Second Samuel chapter 11 verse 1, it says it's a time for war. It's a, it's a time for kings to go out to battle for war. And what are we in the new covenant? Kings and priests. So this is the time for all of us to be girding up the loins of our mind, as Peter would say in First Peter chapter 1. Gird up the loins of your mind. If you turn there to First Peter chapter 1, please. You know, prepare yourself for action, it says in several translations. No, uh, Come on, quickly. Um, and verse uh, 13, 13, it says, Therefore gird up the loins of your mind and be sober and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ as obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lusts as in your ignorance. Don't conform yourselves to former. Gird up your minds for action. That is the reason why he also says in First Peter chapter 4, he says, Arm yourself with the same uh, same kind of thinking. With the same mind. Okay. So gird up the loins of your mind. So we all are kings. And this is the time for what? War. When is the time for peace? Then. Not now. Okay. When we reach heaven, that is when we have rest. This is not, this is not the time for rest. Spiritual rest I'm talking about. Not physically we have to take rest. Okay. We have to physically relax. But this for kings, for priests, we are, because you are just not ordinary priesthood, we are royal priesthood. Okay, be very careful. Don't ever, ever think, let your guard down. This is a time for war, battle. We are the kings and priests in the new covenant and therefore in First Peter chapter 2 verses 9 to 11, he says, you don't have to turn there. Peter says, dear brothers and sisters, as sojourners and pilgrims, because you are a royal priesthood, that's your identity, right? Your royal priesthood, as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lust, which war against your soul. We can put it there, please. Verse, uh, yeah, 10 and 11. Yeah, yeah. 10 and 11. Beloved, or 11 will say, I beg you, or rather I beseech you, as sojourners, ESV, if you don't mind, and pilgrims, you know that, ESV. Exiles and pilgrims, it says, I think. Exiles and aliens, if I'm right. ESV, you have? This is ESV, huh? No, it's not ESV. Uh, exiles and aliens, yeah. Ex- sojourners and exiles, or prisoners, to abstain from passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. And it is time for all of us in the royal priesthood to be geared up for Battle. It is a time. This is the time. Kairos movement. That is the reason why he says, do not be, do not be foolish, but be circumspect, redeeming the, what is time there? Kairos. Redeeming the time, knowing that the days are evil. Redeem. 
the time. Understand that this is the time for all of us as kings to be at war with all the fleshly lusts that is warring, warring against our soul. And God has given us these opportunities to be equipped, complete and equipped for every good work. Right? That's what we are doing, hopefully. It's time to wage an all-out war against the world, the flesh and the devil. It's not a time for peace now for us at all. Not a time to relax. We need to realize that we need to always be spiritually alert. We are not like that wicked servant who says that my master is has delayed his coming and begins to eat and drink and beat up his fellow workers. And his master of the house will come at a time when he is, what? Not expecting. And what is he going to do? He is going to appoint his portion with the hypocrites, it says. No time to relax spiritually. Be sober. Be vigilant. Why? Because your adversary, the devil, he seeks someone to devour. So, if we are kings, it's a time for war. We know this very well, no? The sins of commission and the sins of omission. What's the sins of omission? Knowing that it is time for war, if we relax, that is the sin of omission. We'll fall into temptation. That will be the sin of commission. So let's go back to Second Samuel chapter 11 verses 1 and 2 now. And it happened in the spring year of at the time when kings go out to battle that David sent Joab and his servants with him. <laughs> That's terrible. If you are not leading as a leader. That's what he says, um, um, shepherd the flock of God, which is among you. Not with compulsion, but willingly. Not with filthy lucre, but happily. Okay, And not as lording over the flock, but living as examples. Madhiri means as example. Padiri has to be a madhiri. If you're a pastor, you have to be a, an example to the flock. Otherwise, you're not a pastor. No, that's what he says. We all have to be examples. That if we are relaxed as pastors and we are taking easy, taking it easy and we are not serious about the times that we are living in, what about the congregation? So we should be absolutely fired at, and be sober every time. Okay, that's a, that's a state of our spirit. Hmm? So, David sent Joab and his servants with him. Now he says, okay, fine. I'm teaching, okay. No, 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 no. And all of Israel, and they destroyed all of Israel, and they destroyed the people of Ammon and besieged Rabbah. But David remained at Jerusalem. They only besieged Rabbah. They did not overcome Rabbah. That's going to happen later on. We know that story, right? But let it, anyways, let's move on. We are just concentrating on chapter 11, verse, you know. Then it happened one evening. That David arose from his bed. One evening. That means several evenings have passed. The devil knows very well. First evening, he got up. Nothing happened. He was possibly thinking about what's what's going on in the battle. I hope everything is okay. He's thinking, thinking. Second evening also is like, okay, what has happened? Okay, nothing, no bad news has come. Maybe it's... Joab is managing. Okay. 
Third evening also, he's like, okay, fine. I hope everything's okay now. So he's getting a little more relaxed and relaxed and relaxed. And after a while, the guards are down. <laughs> he's relaxed and maybe he's just taking a cup of coffee like we all do it in the morning, right? And we are just walking on the corridor maybe. And then he saw. That is when the enemy strikes. When your guard is absolutely down. It's what we call as the tyranny of the monotonous. What is it? <laughs> Pastor was talking about the tyranny of language. <laughs> tyranny of the monotonous. That's exactly what possibly even happened with Eve. Now, every day it kind of became a monotonous thing. Okay, God is going to come in the evening and the routine and the monotonous. It's a monotonous, in that monotonous routine. Okay, nothing is happening, nothing is happening. The God is on. She's looking at the fruit or the tree of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. Okay, all right, fine. I wonder, and then the second day I wonder, why did God say that? Okay, and I wonder. And then slowly the God is down, the God is down, and the enemy strikes. Be careful. That is the reason why be sober, be vigilant. How long? Always. <laughs> because it is time for war. See, when you are in war, even when you are sleeping, you are sleeping by turn. You know that, right? Your sleeping is also rationed. You say jada nahi sona. And that will keep rotating. It's like tonight if you are, it's not, it's not regular because even your sleeping is rationed because you are at war, you cannot rest. It's only for your body, you just, you want to recuperate and re, uh, um, you want to, you want to kind of uh, ensure that your uh, cycle is proper and therefore you're always, you're never at ease, your attention gentlemen. You know what I'm talking about, right? Attention at ease. You're never at ease, basically. In your mind, at least. The guards are down, and the enemy strikes. And the enemy knows exactly, okay, first day, maybe he's thinking, what happened to Joab? Did any news from Joab? Uh, no, sir. Oh, that, that means everything's okay. The next day also, slowly, slowly, the war is still not, I mean, uh, the kind of, okay, everything has become, no, you become complacent. Amos chapter 6. We'll look at two translations, okay? NIV and NLT. And NKJV first. 6 verse 1. Woe to those who are at ease in Zion and trust in Mount Samaria, notable persons in the chief nation to whom the house of Israel comes. Who are you, Baba? Amos chapter 6 verse 1. Okay. Who are you? You are a notable person. What notable person? You are the king. Notable person bhi nahi. Tu to bhai raja hai vahan par. You are the commander of the army. What are you doing? You are at ease. To whom the house of Israel comes. Look at NIV. It's very interesting. Two different translations. Woe to thus, woe to you who are complacent in Zion and to you who feel secure on Mount Samaria you notable men of the foremost nation to whom the people of Israel should come NLT 
how terrible it will be for you who lounge in luxury and think you are secure in Jerusalem and Samaria. Oh, the lounge. Boy, you're taking, you're taking it easy. You're taking your seer star also now, huh? Are you battle me to seer star ka? Even your sleep is rationed. And sometimes you don't sleep for hours if you're on a mission. You know that, right? You sleep, you sit and sleep. If you're, that's it. You sit and sleep. And he, he was in NCC, you know. I was only for a certificate. You went to, until C. So you know more than what I'm talking about. You are, you are sitting like this and sleep, taking your sleep. Okay, sit like that, take some rest. That is what you're doing. No, you're now lounging, Baba. You're at ease. It's what we call as a spirit of, not morose, meros. Your morose in meros. <laughs> Judges chapter 5, verse 1 and 2. If you have the NKJV, it's great. First, the Deborah and Barak, the son of Abinoam, sang on the day saying, when Israel, when the leaders lead in Israel, okay, when the leaders lead in Israel, the people willing to offer themselves, bless the Lord. Put it in KJV now. Something very interesting. Then sang Deborah and Barak, the son of Abinom, on that day saying, praise ye the Lord for the avenging of Israel. <laughs> you see, who's supposed to avenge Israel? Who's avenging Israel? Who's the avenger? God is the avenger, right? That means you're literally in the place of God. And what are you doing? Lounging. Chapter 5, verse 23. Same trans, same, same translation is fine. Yeah. Verse 23. Chapter 4. Cursed he mirrors, said the angel of the Lord. Curse he bitterly the inhabitants thereof, because they came not to help the Lord, to help the Lord against the mighty. What were you doing? Relaxing. Every other tribe came for what? Except you. You are at ease. You are at Okay. Launching. And it happened when? One? Go back. Even evening. Thank you so much. That's interesting, isn't it? It's these are all spiritual lessons. Evening Anangane. What is evening? One evening. The Hebrew word is Erev. Okay. Vahi Erev, Vahi Boker, Yom Echad. What is that? Evening and morning, day one. So evening, that is what it is. Okay, evening, Erev. Erev. Turn to Proverbs chapter 7 in the KJV. It's interesting. My son, keep my words and lay up my commandments with you, with thee. Keep my commandments and live and my law as the apple of your I, I like this word, apple of your eye. Okay. You know what the apple of your eye is? A pupil, no? If the pupil is gone, what is it? Nothing. It's no more image you'll get. If the pupil is obscured, no more image is left. Am I right, doctor? You must be knowing better. The apple of your eye, the pupil. Bind them upon your fingers and write them up that upon the table of your heart. This guy is the Old New Covenant fellow in the Old Covenant. It is Proverbs literally is a New Covenant book in the Old Testament. 
He is the only person who talks about, I will pour out my spirit upon you. I will write my law upon the tables of your heart. This is all Old Testament. I will be a tree of life. The tree of life you will find in the Garden of Eden. Then after the Garden of Eden, the tree of life, you will find cherubims. Again, you will find the tree of life in Proverbs. And then you will find tree of life in Revelation. One, two, three. Three, three stops the tree of life. The tree of life has been guarded by cherubim. He talks about the tree of life in Proverbs chapter, in the entire book, I mean, in the book of Proverbs, he mentions about the tree of life. And then you will find the tree of life again mentioned in Revelation. So he says, keep my commandments and live and my law as the apple of your eye, bind them upon your fingers, write them upon the table of your heart. So what are we? We are people in the new covenant, not of the letter, not with written upon stone, but by, and, and by ink, but by spirit, not on tables of stone, but on the tables of flesh, on the heart. Yeah. And then verse 4. Say unto wisdom, you are my sister. Hmm. Call unto understanding, you are my kinswoman. Now, chelikatta vinu. Chelikatta Chelikatta is different. Chalikatta means the virgins which follow the bride, basically. What will they do? That they may keep you from the strange woman. You know the word for strangers, right? Chalak. Chalak woman. From the word, from the stranger which flattereth with her words. Beware of flattery. This, this is essentially a spirit of seduction, essentially. Which is essentially the spirit of this age. The spirit of seduction is there all around. And what is its primary weapon? Flattery. Mukhastuti. Ichchakapu matalu. That's what it is in Telugu. Flattery. Beware of flattering words. Beware of flattering thoughts. Man, you deserve this. Flattering thought. You worked so hard. You deserve a vacation. Flattering thought. Come on, you worked hard. You deserve to be spoiled. Spoil yourself. Pamper yourself. Have you heard that before? You need to relax. After all, you had a tough month. Beware of that chalak in your life. We don't deserve vacation. You know what we deserve? Anybody? Hell. Thank you. That is all we deserve. So, if anybody asks you, how are you doing? Better than I deserve. (laughs) How much are you earning? How much are you earning? More than I deserve. It's over. No chance for flattery anymore. Hurry. Look at your qualification. What are you? Where are you working? Look at your talent. Where are you? You're stuck. For all it, this is flattery. <laughs> Chalak spirit. Relax. Flattery. Have a wine, just one glass. Relax. That is the reason why he says when you see glass, wine in a glass, and when you try to. Look at it and then smell it and it doesn't stop with the smell. It doesn't even stop with the sip. It finishes over the bottle. Look at what Madam says to her son. Proverbs chapter 31. The wise woman. Hmm. 
the words of King Lemuel, the utterance which her mother taught him, what his mother taught him, the oracle also, also some some translations. What my son? What son of my womb? And what son of my vows? Look at what she says. Do not give your strength to woman, nor your ways to that which destroys. Worry. What are we? Kings, we are all kings. We are people or kings. At this time, it is a time for war and not for relaxing. It is not for kings, Lemuel. It is not for kings to drink wine. NIV. Intoxicating drink, we will think, okay, what is it? Intoxicating drink, NIV will give you a more, much more precise uh, translation over here. Do not spend your strength on women, your vigor on those who ruin kings. It is not for kings, Lemuel, not for kings to drink wine, nor for rulers to crave beer. Budweiser. You will become bud dumber only after that. Molson Dry, that's a very famous beer in Canada. Australia is given to beer. And if you go to Germany, they live on beer. What do you have for breakfast? Beer. Lunch? Beer. Dinner? Beer. Beer, beer, beer. It's a beer culture. Oh, we live in a cold country. Nonsense, that is. I also lived in a cold country. I didn't, I never had beer. You're given to pleasure. It's not for kings to crave beer. And I wonder sometimes, you know, one of the beers in, uh, in English Indian beers, it's called Cobra. Yeah! It's very famous in Canada. Cobra beer. It looks very nice in your, in your, in your cup, but it's a snake deep down inside. It's gonna strike you like a viper and you'll never recover after that. You're gone. And you do crazy things after that. You, do, you have just lost all your, your, your defenses are gone completely. I used to stay in the lab sometimes, you know, as my usual uh, practice, I used to stay till 2 o'clock. I used to take the last bus on Friday night. Back home, around 1.32. And that is the time when all the young people are going back home. During, after the, after their time in the bar, you should see they are given over to drunk and the kind of things that they do in the bus. Right in a packed bus, the kind of things that they do. They are given to pleasure. All defenses are gone. Therefore, it is not for kings to crave for pleasure. That is the reason why he says he refused to take part of the Passing pleasures of sin. Who is that person? Moses. Pleasure. And what happens? Verse 5. Lest they drink and forget what the Lord decrees and deprive all the oppressed of their rights. This is exactly what happens when you are drunk with sin. And you know what he says? If you want to really give beer and, and drink, Give beer to those who are perishing. Actually, look at the message translation here. Just change the message. It's interesting. What the message will say. Yeah, is it there? Use wine and beer only as sedatives. To kill the pain and dull the ache. 
interesting. Uh, what do you say? But I don't even recommend that. I don't know. It's like take Mirwana because you are having pain. After that, you get it addicted to Mirwana. You're gone. Don't like grass, please. It's dangerous. Not all grass is grass. Okay. All right. Go back to Proverbs chapter 7 now. You still haven't come to evening, right? We got stuck in the flattery of the woman and, and wine. No? You have to go till evening. Let us go till evening now. Okay. Chapter 7, one verse 3, uh, verse uh, 5 onwards, bro. Yeah. That they may keep you from the immoral woman, from the seductress who flatters with her words. <laughs> what does she do? She's a seductress, the strange woman, the immoral woman. The honey trap, as we say. Have you seen honey traps? Boy, or dead meat after the honey trap. That's how spies are caught with honey traps. Verse 6. For at the window of my house, I looked through my lattice. I wish Solomon saw himself. And I saw among the simple, I perceive among the youths, a young man devoid of understanding. Passing along the street. Where? Near, huh? Near her corner. He took the path of her house. To her house. Now starts in the twilight. In the evening. In the black. And in the dark night. We'll stop there. That's a progression. Twilight. To evening. To a black. To dark. That is the progression of sin. From twilight. To evening. To black. To dark. Twilight, you know what twilight is? Twilight is an illusion. You think that you can see, but you can't see actually. If you actually drive in Hyderabad, the maximum number of accidents takes place in during twilight. Are managed curling without headlights? I can see now. But that is the time when you don't know how to gauge the speed that is coming from the opposite direction. Your perceptions are not very sh- sharp. You still haven't got, you still haven't gotten used to that, used to it because the light is transitioning. It is not completely dark for your eyes to get used to it. It is not completely light for your eyes to get used to it. It is in the transition zone. And therefore your eyes are not going to be used to it. That is twilight. Twilight. And then you go to evening. What are you supposed to do when you're in twilight and when you're in the evening, my dear brother? You should have, you should have remembered what are you supposed to do in the twilight and in the evening. You, David, of all the people, you should have known what you should be doing from twilight to evening. You should have known it. First Samuel chapter 30, verse 17. You know, why, why, why preachers thunder like this when they look at these verses? Because they know the depravity of their own soul. The intensity of their, of their, <laughs> of their speech is directly proportional to the depravity of their own soul because they themselves know that they can fall here. The sweet psalmist can do it. How much more you and I? What are you supposed to do? 30, 30. 1 Samuel chapter 30. <clears throat> Then David attacked them 
from twilight until evening of the next day. Who are these them, Baba? The Amalekites, right? Who? What is Amalekites uh, 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 spiritually significant of? Of the flesh. When do they attack? Deuteronomy chapter 25, verses 17 to 18. Remember what Amalek did to you on the way as you were coming out of Egypt. How he met you on the way and attacked your rear ranks, all the stragglers at the rear. When you were tired and weary and did not fear God. That is when the Amalekites Amalekites attack. When your guards are down. When your flesh is kind of pampered. That is when you get tempted. To do something stupid. And what were you doing David? From twilight till evening you were fighting fighting the Amalekites right? Did you not pursue them? Did you not overtake them? Did you not recover everything? That's exactly what even King Saul did. God came to Saul and said I have anointed you and I have set you king over Israel. And I remember what Amalek did. My goodness let me show you a verse. Actually, Deuteronomy chapter, yeah, chapter 2, 12, verse uh, 17, 18, and 19, actually. If you go there, verse, verse 19, look at this. 17, 18, 19. 19 now, you may not, uh, 25, bro, same thing, same, 25, 25, 25, yeah. 17, 18, and 19, 18, and 19. Therefore, this is Amalek, okay? There, therefore, it shall be, look at this, look at the construction over here, okay? Look at the construction of the words over here, okay? Therefore, it shall be. When the Lord your God has given you rest from your enemies all around in the land which the Lord your God is giving you to possess as inheritance, what shall you do? That you blot out the remembrance of Amalekite from under heaven, you shall not forget. Meaning one thing for sure you have to perpetually fly, fight till you go to the other side is what? Your flesh. You can never let your guard down. Even if you have rest in all directions, what are you supposed to do? You should continuously ensure that you fight the Amalekite spirit after you have dealt with the Canaanites, after you dealt with the Perizzites, after you dealt with the Hevites, after you dealt with the Hittites, after you dealt with the, all the whateverites, Perizzites and the Hittites and the Jebusites, all the Sixites, and you got all the rest on the, on the, on every direction. You fought your spiritual warfare, but don't Never forget the Amalekites, which is the flesh. It's always going to spring up. And God has declared war on the Amalekites from generation to generation. Oh boy. Never forget that. You, David, they should have known, therefore, what people are supposed to do between twilight to evening. But what happened? From twilight to evening. And then it becomes what? Black. It becomes obscure. You know what the word obscure is? Your apple of your eye becomes, uh, what do you say? Cater- cataract. No, cataract is formed and when the image is not fa- falling on your, on your, uh, on your, uh, on your retina, you lose your vision. What we call as 2020. Therefore you should go to Proverbs 2020. Okay? Go to Proverbs 2020. Whoever curses his father 
or his mother. His lamp shall be put out in obscure. That is the word, obscure. You're becoming obscure now. Your pupils or the pupils of your eye are getting obscure. The image is not getting properly formed in your eyes. What are you losing? You're losing your spiritual vision. That's the problem. From the twilight to the evening. And it becomes obscure. And then it becomes what? Dark. How dark? That is where we saw, no? Exodus chapter 10 verse 22. Yes, no? So Moses stretched out his hand toward heaven and there was thick darkness in all the land of Egypt for three days. They did not see one another, nor did anyone rise from his place for three. That's exactly what is happening all around the world. Thick darkness. How do I know it? Proverbs chapter 4 verse 19. 419. But the path of the wicked is like what? Darkness. Thick darkness. The darkness which can be felt. They do not know what makes them stumble. <laughs> That's what they said. Somebody said, no, a philosopher is like a blind man in a dark room searching for a black cat which is not there. The philosopher is like a blind man searching for a dark, in a, in a dark room searching for a black cat which is not there. And the problem is he finds it and he gives you an explanation what it is. That is philosophy. The philosophies of this world. The science. That's the reason why Paul tells Timothy, don't get trapped by the so-called science of this world. You know where he says that, right? Turn to First Timothy chapter 6 if I'm right. The last verse. And in the KJV if I'm right. Yeah, yes, 20. Oh, Timothy, okay, put it in KJV, okay? Yeah, yeah. Oh, Timothy, keep that which is committed to your trust. Hmm, okay. Avoid profane and vain bamblings and oppositions of science, falsely so-called. That's all so-called science. MSc, master of science. DSC, doctor of science. So-called science. But all your science, are you, are you seeking God? No. Did it not say that God has, has, has placed the boundaries for the people and he has set their boundaries if perhaps that they might seek for him even though he is not very far from them? With all your degrees, you have gone far from God rather than seeking God? That is science. Which some professing have, <laughs> what? Erred concerning the faith. But you, Timothy, please grace be with you. What grace, what kind of grace you should have? You will avoid all this nonsense called so-called science. So-called knowledge. You know, Telugu lo, jnana mundi, anubhava jnana mundi, rendu. There is a, there is knowledge and there is experiential knowledge. Okay. Gnosis is knowledge. Experiential knowledge. Epignosis. And the knowledge of God is epignosis. That is just not, it is just not gnosis. Meaning what? You can experience him. Knowledge, gnosis is only here. Epignosis is something which you can experience. 
And what should we grow in? Epignosis, experiential knowledge. Anupava gyanam lo peragalmano. If you turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4 verse 14, you'll know it actually. 13, 14. 13, 14. Till we come to the unit, actually, actually verse 14, uh, verse 12 onwards, okay? Ephesians chapter 4 verse 12 onwards. 12, 13, 14. It's easy to... For the equipping of the saints, what did he give? He gave what some pastors, some evangelists, some teachers... Verse 11 will say, okay, for the people who don't know, who know, don't know this, if you turn with me to verse 11. And he himself gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Hmm? Till we all come to the unity of the faith and of the... Now here, what, what kind of knowledge is he talking about? Experiential knowledge of of the Son of God. That means you will know Him personally. You will have a a personal understanding of who God is because you have obeyed His word. To a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that you shall not be children any longer, tossed about by to and fro by every and carried away with every wind of doctrine by the trickery and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting of men. Okay, so we need what knowledge? Experiential knowledge. And therefore, understand, from the twilight to the evening, what are we supposed to do? Fight. (laughs) Battle. Battle. Otherwise, we'll enter into what we call a spiritual darkness. Romans chapter 13. Let's read from verse 11 to 14. And do this, knowing the time. What is the time here, Baba? Kronos or Kairos? Kairos. What is the time for us to do? What, are, what is the time now for us? To battle. Know and do this, knowing the time. That now is what time? High time. To awake out of Sleep. For now, our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. How many, how many of us believe that? For sure. I think we all should, if you do not believe, at least by seeing the signs of the times, believe. That our salvation is nearer. If it, if, if not the signs of times, your, your day also of, of your end is also getting coming closer. Okay. So after a while, after you, you know, cross 40, when people say birthday, please don't celebrate birthday because it's a, it's a reminder. It's, the days are getting closer. Okay, 30s may be okay. 40s may be okay. Or 20s 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 may be okay. So, so we have to be very, very careful, no? <laughs> and then it says, um, and do this, knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than we first believe. Why? The night is far spent and the day is at hand. There is a darkness which is going on. Day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of what? Darkness and let us put on the armor of light. How do we do it? Let us put on the Armor of light. Everything okay? Yeah. 
Right? Okay. Let us walk properly as in the day and not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, but, I like that, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and go to battle. <laughs> That's what it means. Make no provision to the flesh. Matlab, go to battle and war against the lusts of the flesh. Because this world is not a playground. It is a battleground. I think Zach Poonan was the one who said this. No, The world is a bunch of spectators. Okay. Actually, Christianity is a bunch of spectators where 11 people need a lot of rest. They have to come and 22 people need rest and they have to relax. And the rest of the gang has to go and play. But what are they doing? They're relaxing and watching. It's not a time for watching, Baba. It's a time for action. Not at ease, but attention, gentlemen. Maybe that will be the title for the day. Attention, gentlemen. <laughs> not at ease. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just speculating. Let's see how it evolves even as we finish today's study. Therefore, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lusts. That's exactly what even Abraham did, right? One provision was there from Egypt called Hagar. In the, in the, in the trunk she was there. That is called provision for the flesh. We buy provisions now. For a future date we have. Oh, for a future date, Hagar hai, Marikmas. I don't know how many deposits we have done for the future in the flesh. That is the reason why God is not mocked. For whatsoever man sows, that also he will reap. If he sows in the flesh, he will reap corruption. And if he sows in the spirit, he will reap eternal life. God is not mocked. Do not be deceived. So what happens to this nutcase of Proverbs chapter 7? In which we all are there, by the way. When we say nutcase, don't say that nutcase. You say this nutcase is also there. And behold, there met him a woman with the attire of a harlot and crafty heart. Oh! That's exactly how the world is dressed these days, isn't it? Men and women alike. They have a attire of a harlot. From the twilight to the evening to the black and dark night. And once you have entered into that spiritual darkness, you have lost all sense of discernment. You're gone. You're prime target for the enemy now. Because you're in darkness. Like the way darkness covered Egypt. And you're not stumbling, you're stu- you do not know where you're stumbling. You stumble into the woman and she is with the hatar of a harlot and crafty at heart. And what does she say? Look at what he says. And she is, she was loud and rebellious. Hmm. And what do you say? Boy, she's a career woman, strong woman, independent woman. She makes her own money. That's what, that's the thoughts which are flying in your mind. Her feet would not stay at home. <laughs> Hardworking woman. The times she is outside, the times open square, lurking at every corner. It's a spirit, by the way. Okay. And she caught him and kissed him with an impudent face. She said to him, I have peace offerings. She's very religious too. And today I have paid my vows. That's how it starts, right? So I, so I came out to meet you only. We are searching for you only. 
diligently to seek your face. And I found him. My God, how lucky I was. That is what we call a slattery. I have spread my bed with tapestry, colored coverings of Egyptian linen. <laughs> my God. I perfume my bed with myrrh, aloes and cinnamon. Come, let us take our fill of what? It's not love, my dear brothers. It's lust. Masquerading as love. Let us delight ourselves with, actually, loves, it says, in the, origin, in the KJV. With loves. Oh boy. And then what happens? You know, when you read these paragraphs, yeah, with loves, right? Let us solace ourselves with loves. You need it, Baba. You need solace. You're so tired. Hard day's work. It's got flattery. You deserve this. The spirit of the age. For my husband is not at home. Mm -hmm. He's gone on a long journey. What this fellow? He has taken a bag of money with him and he's not going to come out till the appointed day. It's exactly that wicked servant, no? My dog, my lord is not coming. What is he going to do? He's going to eat and drink and beat up the other fellows. That's exactly the spirit of the age. Where is the promise of this coming? Since the fathers have, it's the same old story everywhere. They are willingly ignorant, Peter says. Willingly ignorant. They are like the cat, which thinks by stealing milk and closing its eyes and drinking it, nobody is watching me. <laughs> nobody is watching me. Why? Because my eyes are dark. They are even darkness. That's the reason why David says, where can I run from your spirit? Even the darkness will be light for you. There is one who is watching. Everything. His eyelids try. His eyes try the hearts of men. To give everyone according to his deeds. Everyone will get according to his deeds. And then what happens? Next verse. With her enticing speech, she caught him. Caused him to yield with her flattering lips, she seduced him. Immediately he went after her as an, as an ox goes to the slaughter or as a fool to the correction of stocks. And what, what happens? Till an arrow has struck his liver, as a bird hastens to the snare, he did not know it would cost his life. Therefore, listen to me, my children. Pay attention to the words of my mouth. Do not let a heart turn aside to her ways. Do not stray into her paths. For she has cast down many wounded. And all who were slain by her were strong men. That's what we are looking at right now. One strong man. One strong man. The sweet psalmist of Israel. Let's go now. Second Samuel chapter 11. Verse 2 now. And it happened one evening that David arose from the bed and walked on the roof of the king's house and from the roof he saw (laughs) a woman bathing. He saw a woman bathing and she was beautiful to behold. Okay, they saw a woman bathing. 
It's okay. Just take it easy. Don't worry. You see, there is one look. Okay. But that look is a summation of several other looks. Ardhamethana. One look is equal to summation of several looks. One, two, three, four. Atlanta, you literally come from, from your, from one point to the other to your fall, basically. Slowly, the enemy is setting you up for a fall. So that one look that you are going to see now, that's a, that he saw, is a summation of several looks that has, had, that has actually taken him to that spiritual state. For example, 1 Samuel chapter 25, verse 42, onwards. So Abigail rose in haste and rode on a donkey attended by five of her maidens and she followed the messengers of David and she, and became his, oh, wow, he should have stopped there. Now, Abigail ke se jada khon milega re tere ko, bol. Wise woman who said I'm gonna wash the seat, feet of the masters, my husband's, uh, servants. Think about it. What more do you want in life? Take care. David also took Ahinom. And so both of them were his wives, okay, two? Plus one, plus one. Abhi, or summation karenge na? Plus, second Samuel chapter five, verse 13 to 14. And David took more concubines and wives from where? From Jerusalem. He took from there, he took from here, he took from there, and every place from Hebron thode, Yapar thode, Sabi summations, Sabi ko look, look there, look there, look there, look there, all looks, all summations of all the looks have taken him to the final look. And this look is gonna bite him like a serpent. It's a summation of all looks. That is the reason why you should have the law of God written in your heart. What does the law of God say in Deuteronomy chapter 17, verse 16 and 17? You know that very well, no? But he shall not multiply horses. Who is that fellow? The king should not multiply horses. And verse 17, he shall neither multiply himself wives. Don't keep adding wives, he says. That means don't keep adding things which will, which will cause you to fall. It's a summation of several things. It's a summation of click, 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 click in the computer now. No, you don't have, we don't have uh, the the luxury of David. But we do have another thing called uh, the luxury of the computer. I, I, I told, I told, I told uh, um, one of the youth meetings uh, I went, you know, they was talking about this technology and stuff like that. And I, and I said, see, uh, Solomon had 700 wives and 300 concubines. Okay. Now he had 700 wives and 300 concubines and he could only lie with one wife one day. Think about it. Okay. Now think about us. We have in this computer more than 700 plus 300. And what does God say? If you have lusted after a woman in your heart, you have already, what? Finished. So don't, we, we cannot say that, you know, Solomon we are at the click, we can do it simultaneously. With uh, In one day we can have uh, 700 actually. That's the problem here. With our generation. The summation of all clicks. 
which will take it to the final click. It's a summation of all clicks. Amazon may, it's only 100 rupees rare. Click. Hare, ye bhi free aara. <laughs> Click. Oh, wo bhi free aara. Click. And then it takes you to the add to cart, add to cart, add to cart, add to cart. Final click. Bank balance zero. Ho gaya. That's exactly what he's doing. Add to cart, add to cart, add to cart, add to, add to cart. And he took him to the final add to cart. After this, he's not going to recover. Betrayal is a summation of all thefts. What did I say? Betrayal is a summation of all thefts. How do I know it? John's Gospel chapter 12 verse 4 to 7. Twelve verses four to seven. But one of his one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who would betray him, who what what would betray him, said, "Why was this fragrant oil not sold for three hundred denarii and given to the poor?" This he said not because he cared for the poor, cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the money box and he used to. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief as a keeper of the money bag. He used to help himself with what was put into it. He was helping himself. One dinari there, one pence here, one mite over here, two mites over here, three mites over there. Summation of all thefts. Ready for betrayal now. Ready for betrayal. And you know what will happen to you? Look at the language in the KJV or the NKJV. Matthew chapter 26 verse 15. Look at the language. This is powerful language in the KJV. And he said to them, what will you, what will he give me and I, and I will deliver him unto you. That is, okay. And they covenanted him with him for 30 pieces of silver. Gone. Covenant. And that's exactly what is happening these days. What has happened? We have become thieves. One widow there, another widow over here, another widow over here, another small one rupee over here, ten rupees over there, hundred rupees over there. Summation of all thefts and one day we have set up for the final covenant of betrayal. And after that, what is going to come out of our, 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 our belly is garbage. Setting ourselves for the final look. Therefore, we need to have people with spiritual calculators who can calculate the end result of the first step. What did I say? People with spiritual calculators in our lives, we call them seers, by the way. <laughs> because he saw, we need to have a seer who can see and say, Baba, you started here, no? I'll tell you where it's going to end you, and take you, where it's going to take you. I have what we call a spiritual calculator. Step one, step two, step three. I'm able to do an integration over all this, and I'll tell you the final result. Elisha was such man. He had precise spiritual calculators. Show you examples. 
Second Kings chapter 5. Look at this man's spiritual calculator. Verse 20 onwards. But Gehazi, the servant of Elisha, this is after Naman, right? The story is, Naman comes, Naman tries to give uh, Elisha an offering. Elisha says, no, Gehazi says, as the Lord lives, I will help myself. With a little, with a, I will only ask for this much, I will only ask for this much. Look at how the calculations increase. Okay, look at what, how it happens. But Gehazi, the servant of the of, 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 of Elisha, the man of God, said, to whom Baba? Ah, to himself, nobody was there. This is what the spirit is reading into the mind of Gehazi and articulating it for us to read. That is the reason why it says the spirit searches the deep things of God. It is able to discern the thoughts, the intentions of man. The word of God is quick, powerful, sharper than the two-edged sword, discerning the soul and the spirit, the joints and the marrow, and the discerner of the thoughts and the intents of heart, and nothing can be hidden from it, and if everything is naked before the one to whom we have to give an account and that person with those spiritual eyes is able to calculate and discern the thoughts of this guy who only spoke something in his heart. Be careful. Be careful. Look, my master has paid the man, the Syrian. So this is all going on in his mind. The point is that. He is saying it to himself while not receiving from his hands what he brought. But as the Lord lives, I will run after him and take what? Something for him, from him. Now look at this calculations over here now. So Gehazi pursued Naman. When Naman saw him running after him, he got down from the chariot to meet him and said, Is all well? Aha! Shunamite woman, remember, all well. What did she say? All is well, Baba. Only, I will only speak to the man who has got discernment. And he said, all is well. My master has sent me saying, indeed, just two young men from, you know, one of our uh, ministries has come. Uh, we need, we have some sudden ministerial needs. Okay. You have to support this pastor. And, uh, this is what has happened. Oh, I see. Indeed, just two young men from the sons of the prophets have come. You see how religious his talk is? Sons of the prophets? Really? You see, there's no fear of God in his eyes. He's become too familiar with the, with the prophetic. Or he's become so, when is my promotion going to come? I have to pursue this man. See, that is the reason why Elijah had an Elisha, but Elisha had no one. Why? You know why? All these kinds of people only. These kinds of people who have no patience. Who are not willing to come under authority. Who are not willing to go through the rigor. Who are always looking for quick success in their ministry. Who can never come and stay under for a longer period of time. Because that requires a tremendous amount of what you call discipline and 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 and, and dedication and you and you're willing to go through that process we are not looking for immediate successes in ministry right we want to have character built in our life what says thou And indeed, just as the two young men of the sons of the prophets have come to me from the mountains of Ephraim, please give me what? 
a talent of silver and two changes of garments, calculation number one. But increase the calculation number two. So now one said, place like two talents. Oh no, 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 no. If you insist. Okay. If another prophet comes, I will use it. Okay. And he urged him and he bound two talents of silver in his back, two changes of raiments and handed to him two of his servants and they carried him on ahead of him. When he, and he came to the citadel, he took them from their hand, stored them away in their house and then let the men go and they departed and he stood before his master. What is that? Master's what? Face. Told you, no? Panaim faces. Elisha said to him, where did you go, Gazi? This is a spiritual calculator which is coming now. Philip had a normal calculator. Six months wages is not going to be sufficient. This is spiritual calculation. Okay, This is called integration only. <laughs> He's integrating over several time period now. Where did you go, Gazi? And he said, your servant did not go anywhere. Then he said to him, did not my heart go with you when the man turned back from his chariot to meet you? Is it the, what is time, what do you expect time to be? Kairos. It is time for what? It is for war, not for, it is a time, is it a time to receive money, to receive clothing? calculation. Next calculation. Olive grooves, vineyards, sheep, Oxen, male servants, female servants. That is spiritual calculation. You only stopped with what one rupee, two rupees over here. The seer is able to see the entire end. That is that is the reason why it's called a what? Seer. Would to God we would have seers in our midst. Who will warn us. When we take the first step itself. Like pastor says, right? You should fight it out at the what level? At the thought level. Spiritual calculators are important. <laughs> Second Kings chapter 8, verse 7 to 14. Elisha, another spiritual calculation it does. Look at his, his insight is remarkable. You know, when we think about, uh, when we, please uh, go to the prophet, he'll tell me, oh, Dirgha Duradarshi or Dirghadarshi? What is it called? Dirghadarshi or Duradarshi? Duradarshi, you know? The one who can see afar. Now, we go to the prof, we go to prophets who will also do a spiritual calculation according to our heart. I, I remember, you no, know, when I was coming back from, um, Chennai in the train, okay? There was one pastor who was there. I mean, I don't know. I am not judging anything. He was there in, in the, in the compartment. Justin and I, we were here on this side and, and he looked at me, we were just having a conversation, and he said, are you a believer? He said, yes, yes, sir. Oh, can I pray for you? I said, okay. Oh, oh Lord, next year, by this time, he will be U.S. Lord in the name of Jesus. I said, oh, Lord, from where? We kind, we like those kinds of spiritual calculations. You know what kind of spiritual calculations we need? We need people who will be able to ascertain the kind of steps you are taking now, and able to tell where you will be ending up in a few years time, if you take these current steps here. That is what we call as people, that is the reason why when the Holy Spirit comes, He will warn you of what? 
of the things to come <laughs> for the decisions you are taking now. Second Kings chapter 8 verse 7 onwards. Then Elisha went to Damascus and Ben-Hadar king of Syria was sick and it came and it was told him saying the man of God has come here. Then what happened? And the king said to Hazael, take a present in your hand, go to meet the man of God and inquire of the Lord by him saying, shall I recover from this disease? So Hazael went to meet him and took a present with him of every good thing of Damascus, 40 camel loads. And he came and stood before him and said, your son, Ben-Hadad of Syria, has sent me to you. Shall I recover from his disease? And Elisha said to him, go, say to him, you shall certainly recover. However, the Lord has shown me that he will really die. How will he die, Baba? Then he sat. And then he set his, what? Countenance. What is countenance? Face. In a stare until he was ashamed. He was looking at him and he's doing, looking at, like for example, he's looking at, let's say, Dr. Richard and making all kinds of spiritual calculations. I know where exactly he's going to go. With all the decisions he's going to make. And he started weeping. That means he came to the end of his spiritual calculation and when he saw the end of the spiritual calculation, he started weeping. And that guy is like shocked. Look at what he says. And Hazael said, why is my Lord weeping? He said, because I know the evil that you will do to the children of Israel. Their strongholds you will set on fire and their young men you will kill with a sword and you will dash their children and rip open the women with child this is what you're do, what you're going to do because i need i know the first step you're going to do right now you're going to go and kill your master i know it and that first step is going to end up with all these things that you will be a man who shed blood verse 13 so hazel said what, what is your servant? Huh? Dog? That he should do this gross thing. And Elisha answered, The Lord has shown me that you will become king over Syria. Do you want this kind of blessing? King over Syria? With all blood on your hands. Sorry. Hmm. No. So what do we need? We need people with spiritual calculators. What do we call them? Seers. We had one such seer, no? First Chronicles chapter 29, 29. I like this. Beautiful it is. Who wrote, who wrote, if, if anybody answers this question, who wrote first Samuel, second Samuel, first Kings, second Kings, first Chronicles, second Chronicles? Uh, your answer will be? Let's see. The acts of the king of David first and the last indeed were written in the book of Samuel the seer, in the book of Nathan the prophet and in the book of God the seer. Okay. So three people wrote four books or uh, six books. Oh yeah, six books. Three people wrote six books. Okay. They all wrote it. So what is Samuel called? The seer. He was the one who spoke the word of God and the word of God did not fall. From Dan to Beersheba, Samuel became the prophet of the Lord and ultimately he became a seer. Asaf is called the <laughs> seer. Worship leader also be seers. Baba. That's a challenge for all the worship leaders. What says thou? Worship leader. Don't laugh. Take those things seriously and say, Lord, 
Why not? Why not, Lord? Why not? Grant me that gift. You should, we should all be, we should be people who will prophesy in that sense. I'm not, I'm not saying that you should, we're all called to be teachers from the pulpit. No, but <laughs> the way the Lord, Spirit of the Lord leads you in one song, you can write it so prophetically like the way Asaf wrote so many. Right. I mean, he was, Asaf was under whose reign? David, right? Was the king, was the kingdom prosperous during the time of David? So let's say he lived till the time of uh, even Solomon. Let's say was it what is it was it prosperous? And why did he write, Lord, when I see the wicked prospering, why did he write that? I mean, sometimes I wonder, how did he get this psalm? You know why? Let's see, yeah. One, one, one last spiritual calculation. Look at this. I think we should all be very careful with about spiritual calculations. First Samuel chapter 15 verse 23. Huh. What is that? You know it very well. For rebellion is a sin of whom is he saying to? Saul. Saul looked at him and he said, what witchcraft? But I am a seer. I know where you are ending because of the decisions you have made now. You will end up with a witch at Endor. You know, it says in the, I, I, can you just give me that Bible, please? I'm sorry. Just one verse I want to show you before I turn to First Chronicles chapter 15. Oh, 13, sorry. First Samuel chapter 13, verse 3. Look at this, okay? Sorry, First Chronicles. First Chronicles, sorry. Exactly, First Chronicles. Ah, ah, ah. Okay. Mm, okay. First Chronicles chapter 13, verse Look at this. And let us bring the ark of our God back to us, for we have not, since the days of, Saul was never interested in inquiring of the Lord. Never. That's it. Never interested in inquiring of the Lord. Okay. I think that's enough. I'll do it. I'll do a teaching on some sometime later on the decisions of Saul. It's terrible. You'll see it in Chronicles. Small, 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 small details. You know, one of the most difficult books to read in the Bible is Leviticus, and after that, it's First Chronicles because it's got so much of detail about about uh, orders of of these people and those kinds of clans. And in the middle of all the orders, you'll have one small Jabez prayer. And then you will have uh, Issachar's uh, this thing, and you will have Amasai, and you will have Saul embedded in the whole account of Chronicles. You will have all these small, 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 small truths. So you have to take a fine tooth comb and start reading it, and then suddenly you patiently read every page, and suddenly God will reveal one truth to you. 
So, when you have details like that, don't say, Arey, what is this detail, Lord? Why am I supposed to go? It is the glory of God to conceal and the glory of... Ha ha ha! We are all what? Kings, no? Thank you. It is time for war and time for searching also. Searching where? The scriptures. Amen? Okay, so have spiritual calculators because every seeing and every uh, betrayal is a series of looks and a series of clicks. And David saw. The ultimate saw was when he messed up. Then comes to Second Samuel chapter 11 now, verse 2. Yeah, so David, yeah, so 2 and 3 now, let us read. So, then it happened one evening that David arose from his bed and walked on the roof of the king's house and from the roof he saw, he saw that, the, the anatomy of a, of a look. Okay. When the woman saw that the, the tree was good for food and desirable to make one wise, she took up it and ate it and she gave. When Phineas saw, what did he do? He took a spear. When David saw, he took the girl. <laughs> That's the problem. I can understand if Solomon saw and he took, but what about David? We'll learn some lessons here. Second Samuel, so, so he saw a woman bathing and the woman was very beautiful to behold. Why was she bathing there, Baba? That also is a question for me. It is easy for us to take David to the rooftop. Why is madam there? Does she not know that the king might be there? What's up? Here's a question. Okay. Don't be upset with me, but I'm just trying to... Sometimes you have to be very careful. Yeah. Even sisters, we are very careful. So David sent and inquired about the woman. And someone said, who is that someone we don't know? That is not, that is not relevant. It's a voice of warning. It doesn't matter where it comes from. You understand what I'm saying? The voice of warning can come from any any corner. It could be your your small your three year old or four year old, five year old, six year old daughter. It could be your wife, or it could be a, some servant lady, or some person there somewhere who had some kind of an insight and speaks penetratingly under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit and asks a few questions. Is this not Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? That is when you have to stop. Who's Eliam? Second Samuel 20, chapter 23 was 34. 23, 34. Eliphelet, 23, 24. 23, 34, yeah. Eliphelet, the son of Abi Ahash, Ahaz, Ahazbai, the son of Makah Tite. Eliam? The son of Ahitophel, the Gilonite. Oh, he was one of your mighty men. I see. And Ahitophel? Oh, he's your counselor. 
According to First Chronicles chapter 27, verse 33. Don't have to turn there. And Uriah, he's another, also another one of your mighty men according to Second Samuel chapter 23, verse, verse 39, the same chapter. Verse 39. Oh! He's one of your hit, your, 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 your mighty men who stood by you during the time of your trouble, when you were running from here and there, who came by your side, and who strengthened you, who fought battles for you, who were one of your bodyguards, who saved your life, etc., etc., etc. Who were people who blessed you in your life? Who loved you? Who took care of you? Who took care of your needs? When everybody forsook you, they came after you? They were, I'm sure this guy was there also when David pursued among with the, uh, the Amalekites. I'm sure. Otherwise, why would he be enlisted over here? Was not the same David when those three mighty men, when they was at the cave of Adullam, did he not say, oh, I wish I would drink some waters of Bethlehem. And not, not three of those men went and get the waters of Bethlehem. They risked their own life and they, when they brought that water to you, what did you do? Did you not pour out? What happened to you now? What are you going to do now? What are you going to do now? What are you going to do now? Oh, there's a law. Exodus chapter 23 verses 4 and 5. 23 verses 4 and 5. If you meet your enemy's ox, <laughs> I like that. If you meet your enemy's ox or his donkey, going astray. You shall surely bring it back to him again. If you see the donkey of one of you, one who hates you, lying under its burden, you should not refrain from helping it. You shall surely help him with it. If you have to do this with an enemy, how much more you should do with a guy who has risked his life for you? Is it not a lion? Is it not the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah, the daughter of Ahithophel? Ah. What are you going to do, David? Let's read Proverbs chapter 3, verses 27 to 30 in the message. First, no, no, we'll read it in KGV and the message and then NLT. Okay, three, three translations. We'll get some incredible lessons. Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due. When it is in the power of your hand to do so. Do not say to your neighbor, go and come back and tomorrow I will give it when you have it with you. David, don't you have the power to say no now? And look at the next verse, it's penetrating. Do not devise evil against your neighbor for he dwells by you for safety's sake. Do not strive with a man without cause. If he has done you no harm. My God. You know what? It has, you have to tremble when you read these words. People who have been a blessing to you. What are you going to do? Are you going to stab them on their back? Before we come back to this verse. 
Psalm 55 verses 9 to 12. Psalm. Okay, sorry, it's 49, 41. 41 verses 9 to 12, okay. 41 verses 9 to 12. Come and miss that. Even my own familiar friend in whom I trusted, who ate my bread, has lifted up his heel against me. Okay, let's go back to Proverbs chapter 3. Now let's read it in the message and then New Living Translation. It's powerful in the New Living Translation and the message. It's really, really powerful. It's just penetrating actually. Look at it. Never walk away from the, never walk away from someone who deserves help. Okay. Your hand is God's hand. Look at this guys. You look at this guys. Your hand is God's hand for that person. Don't tell your neighbor maybe some other time or try me tomorrow when the money is right there in your pocket. Look at the next verse. Don't figure ways of taking advantage of your neighbor when he's sitting there trusting and unsuspecting. Don't walk around with a chip on your shoulder, always spoiling for a fight. Shucks, man. That is unbelievable. Look at what it says in Proverbs chapter 3 verses uh, NLT. Do not withhold good from those who deserve it when it, is, when it is in your power to help them. If you can help your neighbor now, don't say come back tomorrow and then I'll help you. And then do not plot against your neighbors for they trust you. They trust you. Do not make accusations against someone who hasn't wronged you. Think about these, my dear brothers and sisters. Think, think, think. These are things which we have to really take to heart and ask the Holy Spirit to penetrate deep down inside our spirit man. And the problem is, it is not some Saul who is doing this. Is David who's doing this. Completely oblivious. And he's going to take advantage of a friend who has trusted him. Uriah the Hittite. He was a Hittite. <laughs> who's Hittite, by the way, I told you, you know, Hittite is a guy who's terrorized, who was under terror. And what has he become now? He has become Uriah. I think it's, it was his baptism name, if there was baptism those days. Or it was a name after he got circumcised. Maybe he got circumcised. Right? It's interesting, right? Whenever you go through the, to go through circumcision, that day you get a name. Remember? When, uh, when John the Baptist was circumcised. Okay. Uh, they circumcised him on the eighth day and the mother said his name is going to be John. And all the people said, no, 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 let us, let us, let him, let us name after his father. And they called him Zechariah and they said, no, 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 John, John. And they said, Zechariah, what about? He said, Get me a, what, a plate, a slate, and he writes the name, and it's John, everybody shocked, and his mouth opens, and he prophesies. Remember that? It's on that day, on the eighth day, the day when you are circumcised, your future, or your spiritual future has been written. That's exactly, I believe, what had happened to Uriah the Hittite. He was a Hittite. We don't know his name. His baptism name was Uriah. The Lord, Yahweh is my light. I don't have to fear anymore. I was a Hittite. I was under the tremendous power of fear. But now, 
I've become a born again son of the living God. I'll call myself what? Uriah. What does it mean? Uri means my light. Yah is Yahweh. Uriah. Yahweh is my light. Uriah. What does Eliam mean? You know what Eliam means? Eliam or Eliam? Eliam actually. Eliam means my kinsman. My people. God's people. Eli means my my God's people, my people. My God's people, my people. David, my people. You are my man. What are you going to do to them, David? What are you going to do to them? That is the reason why it says in Matthew, those who betray you will be of your own house. Your own people will betray you. That will be the most painful. Let's go back. Don't make accusations. You're taking advantage, right? So first, let's go back to Second Samuel law. Chapter 11 and verse 5, 4. And David sent for her. And when she had come to the palace, he slept with her. He had just completed the purification rites after her menstrual period and she returned home. And then, verse 5. And the woman conceived and she sent and told David, I am with Child. James chapter 1 verse 12 to 15. Blessed is the man who endures temptation for when he has been approved he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. There is a crown of righteousness. I fought the good fight. I've finished the race and I've kept the faith and there's a crown of righteousness which is appearing from, uh, which is ready for me and not only for me, for all those who love is appearing and if anyone does not love the Lord Jesus Christ, let him be an anathema. Come Lord Jesus, there's a crown of righteousness. There's a crown of life for those who endure temptation. Okay? Alright, which it's again, it is promised for those who Love him again. You see that? If you love me, you will keep my commands. Let's move on. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away. It's like, you know, whenever you, when you, whenever you see this, you imagine a hook and for a, with a worm for a fish. And a small worm can capture a big fish. Do you know that? A small worm. A small worm. Like, uh, you, you remember there was one kid, Jeff, no? Who went to IIT Bombay. Remember that guy? He loves fishing. He used to, he made his own uh, uh, fishing rod and, you know, with that worm thing and he says, Pastor, you should see the adrenaline rush you have when the fish gets caught in the trap. And it comes for the worm and it gets trapped and it starts fighting like crazy. And one small worm can trap such big fish. 
small worm. Man, these are all real, real dangerous lessons for all of us. A small compromise. Big fish. So it says, but each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. So I think, I think enemy also gets this adrenaline rush when he catches God's people, no? Ha 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 I finally caught this fellow. Adrenaline rush. Do you, we don't want to give adrenaline rush to the enemy. We want to get adrenaline rush by defeating the enemy. By saying no, running and fleeing temptation and resisting him. Hmm? But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. And look at the, look at the anatomy of temptation. Like Pastor Sundar Krishna calls it. When desire has conceived Adi, it gives birth to sin. When sin is full grown, it brings forth death. Baba, please don't be deceived, my beloved brother. 714, 714 and D, Psalm 714 in ESV. Behold, the wicked man conceives evil, pregnant with mischief, gives birth to Lies. And ultimately it brings death. Pastor Sundar Krishnan made this fantastic statement. He says, you sow a thought, you reap an action. You, you sow an action, you reap a habit. You sow a habit, you reap a character. You sow a character, you reap a destiny. Once again, you sow a thought, you reap an action. You sow an action, you reap a habit. You sow a habit, you reap a character. You sow a character, you reap a destiny. I told you, right? That is what we call a spiritual calculation. She said, conceive, ho gaya bhai. Now what are you going to do, sweet psalmist of Israel? Then David sent to Joab. So let's go back to Second Samuel chapter 11. Then David sent to Joab saying, send me Uriah the Hittite. And Joab sent Uriah the Hittite to David. When Uriah had come to him, David asked how Joab was doing, how the people are doing and how the war prospered. Deception chalu ho gaya. See, turn with me to you know what is going to happen to him. He is going to try his level best to entice this fellow to commit sin. And this guy says, no way. My mind is thinking about war. My mind is on war. Okay, I can relax for a few minutes over here, but I am not going to go to my, my wife and sleep. Why? Because I have second First Corinthians chapter 7 verse 14 on my mind. I didn't say that. Uh, I think he must have said that. Second, First Corinthians chapter 7 verse 29 on my mind. Sorry. 29, 29. Hmm? But I say brethren, the time is short. What is short? So that from now on even those who have wives should be as though they have none. So he is saying I have wives but I am not going to go and sleep because I have to fight there. But the Ark of the Covenant and Judah is living in tents and my Job and my brothers are in the, are in the battlefield and you are asking me to go and sleep. No, Baba. I am duty bound. I am absolutely duty bound. I am not going to compromise here. Luke's Gospel chapter 17 verse 10. 17 Luke. 
So likewise you, when you have done all these things which have, which you have been commanded, say, we are what? Unprofitable servants, we have done what? Our duty. So if you are duty bound, one of the things I am telling you, if you want to resist temptation in your life, be duty bound. Have this attitude, I am not here to relax. That is the reason why I get scared about vacations. Because vacations kind of soothe you. So, so when all my family is asleep, I say during vacation I have to finish two or three books before I come back. So I am not relaxing in vacation. Family is relaxing, not me. Because that, that's got the, 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 it's a strange thing. Your flesh is like, it's like, it loves that pampering spirit, no? It likes to be pampered. That is the reason we don't want to give any provision to the flesh. It's a twilight to the evening to darkness to blackness, boy. No, 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 no. I don't want to become obscure. I want my sight, spiritual sight, because the eye gates are so important. On duty, I'm duty bound. It's the time for war. And you're asking me to go and sleep with my wife? Sorry! It's not gonna happen. And the problem is, this guy is gonna plot his death, he's gonna murder him. That's exactly what, uh, first, second Samuel chapter 12 will say, you killed him. What it tells me is this. James chapter 2, verse 8 to 11. It says, if you really fulfill the royal law, you, what are you, Baba? You are what? Kings, no. And what, what law do you have now? You don't have ordinary law, you have royal law. If you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourselves, you do? Well, but if you show partiality, you commit sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors, for whoever shall keep the whole law and yet stumble in one point is, oh, I have not committed nothing yet, Baba. You started with coveting. What does it say? Thou shall not covet your neighbors. Why? You started there. And then you committed adultery. Then you did false witness. And then you are going to commit murder one to the other. One by one by one by one. You are going to break the entire law. You know why? Because you started with one thing. What is that? Coveting. Thou shall not covet. Why? Thou shall not covet. He's not guilty of all. For he who said do not commit adultery also said do not murder. Now if you do not commit adultery but if you murder... You have, you have become a transgressor of the law. In other words, it's, it's just a matter of time that you're going to finish completely, perfectly fulfilling <laughs> the transgression of the entire law. <laughs> That's what it means. She's going to send him to his murder. How is he going to send him? He is going to send him with his own death sentence in his pocket and Uriah is going to say, yes my lord, I'm taking it. That is what is duty bound. And still it's not convicting him. I don't know. He should have gone to his bed. He should have wept and said, Lord, what did I do here? And you know the story. He dies. Isn't it interesting? 
Uriah the Hittite is teaching you, David, a Jew who loves the law, <laughs> who wrote 176 verses praising the law. And who said, Lyle, word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. He says, what are you going to do, David? Romans chapter 2, verse 25. For circumcision is indeed profitable if you... What? 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 Keep the law. But if you are a breaker of your law, of the law, your circumcision has become... Okay, that is David over here. And look at the other guy. Therefore, if an uncircumcised man... Uriah the Hittite keeps the righteous requirements of the law. Will not his uncircumcision be regarded as what? And regarded as circumcision and will not the physically uncircumcised, if he fulfills the law, what does he do? Judge you, you with the written code and circumcision, but are a transgressor of the law. Oh, David, David, what's going on over here? You're not learning your lesson. Why? Primarily, you have, all of us have this issue. The next one. Verse 28. For he is not a Jew, one who is outwardly. Right, David? That's where you started. No, you know, remember what God told about you? Man looks at the outside, but I look at the heart. Circumcision is not of the outward, it is of the, of which is of the flesh. He is a Jew, is one inwardly. And circumcision is of the, the heart, in the spirit, not of the letter. Whose praise is from God and not from Men, but that is how First Samuel, Second Samuel, chapter eleven will end. Let's see what happens. Verse twenty-six. And when the wife of Uriah heard that Uriah heard husband has died, she mourned for her husband. And when her mourning was over, David sent and brought her to his house, and she became his, in the sight of men, fantastic. And she bore him a son, even more fantastic. But the thing that he had done, you know what? The, you put it in uh, KJV, it's very interesting. The words in KJV are penetrating actually. Uh, it's ayin, okay. Maybe NIV, I don't know. NIV in the sight of the Lord actually it says. The NIV or NASB also same? Ayin, okay. The word is in, 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 uh, in, uh, in, uh, which, which, who's, which translation? NASB, yeah. In the sight of because ayin, the word is ayin in, 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 in uh, Hebrew. Ayin means eyes. When the time of mourning was over, David sent and brought her to his house and she became his wife and she bore him a son. But the thing that David had done was evil in the sight of the Lord. Remember how the book of Judges ed- ed- ends? There was no king in Israel and every man did which was right in his own eyes. But absolutely wrong and debaucherous in the eyes of the Lord. You could be doing fantastic. You could be justified before men, but in the sight of the Lord. Was it not the same problem with Saul? (laughs) Right? What did Saul say? No, 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 please come with me and make sure that you stand with me. Let people think that I'm still a spiritual man. You also ended up there. What's the difference? There was only one difference. This This man is going to repent. I'm sure he was not happy with the way that 
You know, one thing about a spiritual man and a man of the flesh, he will be miserable in his sin. Let me show you. And we'll come to the anatomy of repentance tomorrow, okay? Hopefully, if the Lord leads us those ways, but let us see. I don't want to promise anything and then end up saying something else, but I believe it's going to be that. It says in uh, Psalm 32, verse 1, 2, 3, and 4. Blessed is his, is, blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man in whom the Lord does not impute iniquity and in whose spirit there is no sense of hiding. I don't want to hide. That man is truly, but now I'm hiding and hiding and hiding and hiding. I wish somebody would come and talk to me. It's going to happen very soon. Don't worry. Then, when I kept silent, my bones grew old through my groaning all the day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was turned into the drought of summer. Selah, I think this is what he experienced, for sure, for several months, before Nathan would come and confront him. Sometimes I feel, why did Nathan not come and confront him before? I don't know, maybe the Lord is teaching us all a lesson, I don't know. Maybe how, it's it's interesting, right? It says, um, uh, turn with me to Isaiah. Uh, okay, uh, so, so, sorry, Second Chronicles chapter 32 and verse uh, thir- 29 onwards. 29 onwards. Moreover, he provided cities for himself and possessions of flocks and herds. This is Hezekiah. Okay, abundance. For God had given him very much property. This is Hezekiah. Okay, and then this, this same Hezekiah also stopped the water outlet of the upper Gihon and brought the water from by a tunnel to the west side of the city of David. Hezekiah prospered in all his works. And then, however, regarding the ambassadors of the princes of Babylon, whom they sent to him to inquire about the wonder that was done to the land, God withdrew from him in order to test him, that he might know all that was in his heart. I think that's exactly what might have happened to David also. God withdrew for a while, Simply because this guy is not supposed to be at a place where he's supposed to, not supposed to be, supposed to be at a place where he's not supposed to be and, yeah, what, what, why, why see or whatever you want to call it, no? He withdrew. He withdrew his presence to test him. To see. And sometimes God does that, right? Like, that's exactly the reason why Paul says, work out your salvation with what? Fear and trembling. My dear brothers, obey not only in my presence, but much more in my absence. I'm just withdrawing my presence. I'm saying, you will not feel my presence. What's going on? Okay, let me see. Prosperity, more dangerous, boy. That is when you should be the. You'll be the most vulnerable. Blessed is the man who endures temptation. So where do you stop it? At the thought. So we'll. Continue this lesson tomorrow and we'll call it the anatomy of temptation this morning. And 
and we will take David to a point where he says, I have sinned. And then we will see what will happen. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you, Father, for this day. Thank you, Father, for warning us solemnly. Continue to teach us your ways, show us your paths, and lead us into the way of everlasting life. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.